Welcome once again to Run Out Radio. I'm Jerry Forsythe, alongside Mike Howerton, and we've got quite a bit to talk with you about this week. We'll be having an interview a little bit later with Tony Palma. He's the man who wrote, directed, and produced Nine Ball, the movie starring Jennifer Beretta. So we'll be able to get inside his head a little bit and talk about that project. And in the past week, there's been a lot of news in the world of billiards. Mike, I believe you're up on that. What you got for us? Well, Jerry, the first event has to be the World Cup of Pool. Uh, Matchroom Sports, as always, put on a great event. Uh, 32 teams from 31 different countries. And it came down to, and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, He Win Lai and Jian Bo Fu from China. They played Mika Imminen, I know I pronounced that right, and Marcus Huva from Finland. Uh, very interesting to see the number eight team from China and the number seven team from Finland face off in the finals. It is, and I was in touch with Luke Riches of Matchroom during that event. And I think the comment he sent that summed it up the best was that uh, uh, the top seats here are falling like ten pins in a gale. Uh, there were a lot of upsets all week long. I mean, it was just one surprise after another. In the list of upsets, you had the number one C from the Philippines. That was Efren and uh, Francisco Bustamante. They lost to the team from China that ended up winning it. USA yeah. just had a terrible tournament. Um, they had to make a big comeback for a hill-hill win against Malta in the first round, and then they lost to Switzerland in the second round. There's absolutely no excuse for that sort of play. Not in any way trying to take anything away from Malta or Switzerland, but the the U.S. team of Rodney and Corey is, is supposed to win both of those matches. Yes, they are, and I haven't heard any comments as to why they performed the way they did. I don't know if one of them was sick or... Or they just weren't hitting it good. Um, we'll know more later, and we can report on it next week, perhaps. But um, I haven't heard any details or any reasons why the, the the play was at the level that it was. Well, all I know is with Rodney guaranteed a spot on Moscone Cup, and let's face it, there's an extremely good chance that Corey's going to be on the Moscone Cup team, too. Uh, for those two to be playing poorly leading up to Moscone Cup is not a good sign for the Americans. If I were a, if I were a fan of the European team for Moscone Cup, I'd be loving this. Yeah, except I'm still going to put my money on Team America for the Moscone Cup. I don't like the way the European team is shaping up. I agree with you on that, but let's see what happens with uh, with the fourth and fifth players that are picked for the team. Sure. Speaking about the makeup of the European team, uh, Konstantin Stepanov was on the Russian team, and they didn't do very well at all at the World Cup. Uh, going back to the World Cup, the finals come down to China and Finland. Finland had just gotten back or just gotten done with a nine-zero thrashing of the team out of Canada. So you would think that they would have gone into the finals with a whole lot of momentum. Of course, that doesn't happen. China went ahead 9-5 to in a race to 11. Finland started making a big comeback at 10-6. And at 10-8, one of the players from China jawed a nine ball. So now it was that, that led to 10-9. The next rack, Finland broke and scratched. China ran that rack out and made the eight ball and scratched. So that led to 10-10. But they got their nerves under control at 10-10, and China ran out to finish the rack and the tournament. Well, at least we had a close final. 
oh yeah, one game scotch doubles. That's with how many millions of people across the country watching. <laughs> Makes position a little tough to get, doesn't it? <laughs> I would think so. I have a hard enough time with ten guys watching me at my local pool room. From there, let's move to the Viking Tour in Lexington, uh, Grady's new room. You were at that tournament. Uh, tell us how it was. Well, it was a great event. I mean, Mike Janis does a very good job with that Viking Tour. Uh, I was extremely impressed with Grady's new room. You talk about a player's room. I mean, if anybody's going to open a player's room, it's going to be Grady Matthews. And, and this one fits the bill perfectly. There is no jukebox. <laughs> and that means you are serious about pool. It's like that that uh the quote from the hustler in uh no jukebox, no pinball, this is nothing but pool, this is Ames, mister. Well this is Grady's and it's a great pool room, uh plenty of room around the tables. The tables are all diamond tables, uh kept in tip top shape. Um, if you want to play pool and want to play serious pool that's a great place to do it. As far as the event, well, that was pretty interesting too. On the on the open side, where pros uh, were allowed to play, Louis Ulrich had another <laughs> great week and won again. And uh, I mean, every time, every week, we're talking about Ulrich winning another event. This week, he, he beat Mike Guyasi in the finals. Uh, Guyasi is now a cue maker, but at one time he was a regular on the Camel Tour, and he's Quite a player, obviously. Uh, Stevie Moore took third, uh, but also in attendance were Mike Davis and uh, the Baltimore Bullet. Buddy Dennis was there. Buddy joked before the event, he told Mike Janis that he should be playing in the amateurs uh, because he's just not got game anymore. He didn't do very well, uh, so uh, he may be speaking the truth, but it's always fun to see Buddy, see somebody that a, that a movie was made about. And um, all in all, just a great event. Well, it sounds like it. Uh, I mean, I knew Goliasi could play, but I didn't know he played at the level to take second place in this tournament. It sounds interesting about Grady's room. I, while there's no doubt that the players are going to be there and are going to help support Grady any way they can, I wonder if a room can really support itself just with the players and not with your average ball bangers that, that come in and buy food and drink and that sort of thing. It'll be interesting to see how that room does. I tell you what, I predict it's going to do very well because a player's room is also a good room for your ball bangers. He's got leagues. He's got amateurs. He's got a lot of locals coming in there. He's right outside of Columbia, a big town. And there are enough people who want to play in a room without a jukebox that I think uh, he'll, he'll get uh, a lot of attention. I mean, Think about what would happen if you went to your local golf course and installed a jukebox beside the putting green. While I can see your point, I mean, pool players are a different breed than than golfers. At least that's my understanding. I'm not a golfer by any means, but... Uh... They are, but at every, every time I'm in a pool room and people crank that jukebox up, you hear a lot of people moaning and shaking their heads. I, I just don't think jukeboxes are as popular as pool room owners think they are. I think they've got 10 or 15% of their people in there who want to pop dollars in the jukebox and, and listen to rap music. I don't think anybody else does. Well, I hope so. Maybe maybe it's a change that we'll see in some of the rooms, and I definitely think it would be a change for the better. 
Agreed. What else you got? Uh, Joss Tour kicked off their new season. Uh, TJ's Classic Billiards in Waterville, Maine. Uh-huh. Mark Vidal went undefeated for his first Joss Tour win. Mike Zuglin didn't get the turnout that he normally gets at his events, but then again, his his tour normally starts off a little slow as the players get back into the groove of having his events. Right. One thing you got to give Mike Zuglin, I mean, tours pop up here and there, but every year he is running a successful tour on the East Coast. He's getting ready for his 10th event at Turning Stone in February. I mean, as tours come and go, Mike is always there. He's always running a very strong tour. Yeah, because he's such a solid guy himself, and uh, you never hear any complaints about him. His tour always pays off. He always has good fields. Longevity, like you say. And Mike has also got the support of the players. Um, Having interacted with Mike a few times, he is a very no-nonsense guy. He says, it's my tour. This is the way I'm going to run it. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're... The UPA, the IPT, the ABC, or whatever, they come to him and say, hey, this is the way we want you to do things. He says, that's a nice thought, but it's not going to happen. Yep. Good man. Moving on to Spring Hill, Florida at Capone's, the Peach Hour Southeast Open Nine Ball Tour was there. That's Tommy Kennedy's tour. Tommy had another strong field. Scotty Townsend, Tony Crosby, Donnie Mills. Uh, we've talked before about WPBA players coming out for these open events, and Tracy Hines was there for this one. Tracy has actually struggled recently on the Ladies Florida Tour, but she had a real good event uh, over the weekend. Donnie Mills came through on this one. He beat Tony Crosby for the hot seat, and he beat Tony again in the finals. We haven't heard much of Donnie Mills lately. Wow. No, we haven't. So that was a good win for him. We'll stay on the East Coast at Cue Ball Billiards in New Jersey. That's Jose Garcia's room. The Blaze Nine Ball Tour was there. Hot seat on that tournament came down to Sean Wilkie and Lee Holt, with Lee Holt getting the win. Unfortunately for Lee, coming through the one-loss side was Tony Robles. Uh, Tony matched up with Sean Wilkie in the semifinals, and Wilkie was up on him 5-1. Robles came back, won five games in a row for a 6-5 win, and then went on to beat Lee Holt in the finals. Another very strong performance <laughs> from Tony. It's hard to beat Tony Robles, isn't it? You talk about a solid, steady performer. Man, oh man, he just never, he doesn't have any give up any. No, you've just got to hate being at a tournament and looking at the field and then the door opens and you see him walk in. Yeah. Um, On the subject of domination, uh, the Olhausen Desert All-Around Tour was at Colby's Corner Pocket in Tempe. Again, this is my tour. Uh, I'm the the tour director for it, and we have 10 events throughout the year, but different events are different games, so it's not always nine ball on the big table. One month, the players may play eight ball on the big table. The next month, they may play nine ball on a bar box. Well, this this month, it was one pocket, and one pocket in Arizona, you generally add those two together, and it comes up with Scott Frost, and this one, again, came down to Scott Frost. As usual, it was Scott Frost and Mitch Ellerman playing for the hot seat and Scott Frost and Mitch Ellerman in the finals. We've talked about Mitch a number of times. The kid's just recently turned 21. His nickname out here is Mitch the Kid Ellerman. And it was very interesting to watch these two players play. Scott commented a couple of times as Mitch would go for shots that 
that Mitch really needed to learn the nuances of the game of one pocket a little bit more to excel at it. But even not knowing those nuances, Mitch still had a great second place finish. And partway through the tournament, it just seemed like Mitch got tired of trying to play Scott Frost one pocket with Scott Frost. And he started playing Mitch Ellerman pool and just firing balls in from everywhere. And and he definitely let Scott know that he was there. Well, I imagine that Mitch reminds Scott of Scott not that many years ago. And uh, I would wonder if he might not take uh, Mitch under his wing and show him some of the finer points of one pocket. You know, the Scott Frost that I knew three or four years ago, my first thought would be absolutely not. That's not in his makeup. The Scott Frost that I know now, that may very well happen. Uh, he definitely seems like a different person than he was two or three years ago, and I think it's a, a change for the positive. Yeah, uh, Scott purposefully made a change in his life two or three years ago to become uh, dedicated to the game, to become a professional, and uh, it shows in everything he does. Okay, we move over to the women's side. The Western Women's Regional Tour was at the Broken Rack in Emeryville, California, uh, the Western Women's Regional Tour is the tour that has consistently been won by either Mary or Michelle Rakin just about every month. This month was a little different, though. Uh, Helen Gogren, she used to play on the WPBA. She came back. Uh, looks like she's trying to make her way back onto the tour. She lost to Lisa Diatri in the first round of the tournament, but she came back. She beat Mary as she was making her way through the one-loss side, and she beat Michelle in the finals. So... I guess if you can beat both Raken sisters in one tournament, then you definitely deserve first place in that event. You sure do. And I tell you, that's another plug for coming through the one-loss side. It keeps your arm warm. I mean, sometimes you get to come through that one-loss side, and you are hunting for bear, and you wind up going up against a player who's been sitting waiting for your match to end. And uh, it can be an advantage. We know that's an advantage, let's say, on the WPBA, especially when the conditions change from the regular tables that the players are on all week to that TV table. The player coming through the one-loss side has an additional match to get used to how the lights are drying out that table. But even on the regional level, just coming through and staying in stroke, playing match after match, it, it can be brutal, but sometimes it's the best thing for you. Yeah, if it doesn't wear you out, it'll help you. What doesn't kill you will make you stronger. Yeah, there you go. Um, also on the ladies' side, we talked a couple weeks ago about the Harold Danielson Memorial Tournament that was at Breakers in Kelowna, British Columbia. Yeah. They had the ladies' event over the weekend. Uh, a strong field for that one. Kyoko Sony, who has been doing so well on the NWPA Tour, as well as Linda Carter, right. who has been her constant foe in the finals. And both of the Ashton twins were also there. Oh, good yeah, This one was won by Joanne Ashton. She beat Kyoko Sony in the finals. Uh, my understanding is that Joanne was, was good friends with Harold Danielson, so I'm sure that meant, that win meant a lot to her. I'm sure it did. How did her sister do? Did she finish in yeah, the top? Yes, she finished in third place. So it was Joanne, Kyoko, oh. and Bev, top three. If we stay in Canada, uh, confirmation came out on the Canadian Nine Ball Tour. They're going to have their first event at Big Wigs Billiards in Newmarket, Ontario, on the 5th through the 7th of October. You're going to be at that one, aren't you, Jerry? I will be there, and I'll be filming that, and that will 
uh, it'll be tape available on azbtv.com beginning October the 15th. Yeah, well, I, I envy you on this one. They uh, made a press release that Alex Pagulayan, Ralph Suquet, and Marcus Shamat are all confirmed for the first stop. That sounds like a great tournament. It is a great tournament, and with $10,000 added at each location, I'm surprised that no Americans have signed up. Well, we'll know soon enough. I mean, with all kinds of tournaments going on right now, I mean, this is a hot time of year, but I'd love to see some Americans get up there. Maybe Rodney and Corey could get up there. Well, it would be a great uh, warm-up for the U.S. Open. I would think so. Uh, last but not least, we have some news that's not really based on any tournaments. Uh, Torsten Holman put out a press release that his new website at www.torstenholman.com is live. And I don't know if you've had a chance to visit the site yet, Jerry, but being a webmaster myself and knowing what it takes to build a quality website, you really have to hand it to Torsten's webmasters because this is an outstanding website, one of the best I've ever seen for a pool player. Well, you would think it would be. I mean, Torsten's a class act, so it only fits that his website would also be a class act. I have not seen it. I shall certainly go there soon. Definitely deserves a visit. That's all I've got, Jerry. Uh, do you want to move on to talk to Tony? Well, we might as well. He's been sitting on hold long enough, so let's bring him into this conversation. Tony, are you there? Yes, I am, Jerry. Uh, how are you today? Doing great. How about yourself? Very well, thank you. Tony, you're the man behind Nine Ball, the movie. How did this come about? What what made you decide to make a movie about Nine Ball? Well, I've been a pool player all my life, and uh, I wanted to uh, write and uh, uh, produce and direct a, a film about pool, and I felt as though there had never been a pool movie uh, that was produced previously that uh, focused in on a uh, woman who uh, was uh, aspiring to become the women's uh, nine-ball champion of the world mm -hmm. and um, thought that uh, that would be a story that a lot of people would uh, be interested in seeing. And... Were you in movie making before? Tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, yes, I've been in uh, production for uh, 10 years and uh, have worked on various projects, uh, both uh, television and, uh, and in film. Well, Tony, how's the movie coming along, and uh, how soon will the fans uh, be able to rush to their local theater to see something? Well, the movie is in production, Mike, and I, I would say that uh, uh, based on our production schedule that we will probably be uh, premiering the film during the Christmas holidays. As someone who doesn't really understand the various aspects of making a movie... In production, I mean, does that mean that filming is still being done? I, I guess, could you could you explain maybe a, a condensed version of, of what takes place in, in building a movie from, from writing the script and going from there? Well, there's uh, many steps involved uh, from the writing process um, until you actually go into production. But um, 
Yes, I mean, when you're in production, you're actually uh, in the process of shooting the film. We have uh, uh, started the actual shooting of the film. We've shot a number of scenes already, and uh, we are getting ready to go back into uh, our shooting mode to complete the film in October. It sounds like we may have lost Jerry. He was having uh, thunderstorm problems in Georgia, so it looks like it's just going to be the two of us to finish this one off, Tony. Okay. We know that Jennifer Beretta plays the lead role in the movie. Are there any other recognizable members of the billiards industry in the movie itself? Uh, yes. Uh, Karen Kaur has um, uh, committed to uh, being uh, in the film and uh, also Julie Kelly. We have uh, some other uh, famous pop pool players that we've spoken to that are very interested in being in the film, women and men players, but uh, we haven't had any uh, uh, contract signed with them. Uh, but uh, go- going back to Karen Kaur, uh, she has been uh, involved in Nine Ball uh, for uh, some time, actually. When I completed the first final draft of the uh, screenplay for Nine Ball, I had already had an opportunity to uh, meet with and get to know uh, Karen Kaur and uh, Julie Kelly. And I presented them with the first final draft. Uh, I wanted them to read it, and I wanted to get their feedback as uh, top professionals, not only in regard to the story, which, of course, I was interested to see how they liked the story, uh, but also to uh, get their feedback on uh, whether the story was really authentic uh, to pool, and uh, they gave me, you know, some excellent um, advice uh, and consultation on ways that I could um, modify the uh, uh, the script in in certain ways to really make it more authentic to pool. Well, I mean, there have been a number of of movies out there based on the game of billiards and. Most of us who follow the game pretty regularly could tell with quite a few of them that there was not a lot of technical consulting going on into the actual game itself. I mean, it just seemed like it was what the writers saw from the outside. It should be interesting to see a movie put together by someone who truly does understand the game and has consultants at the level of of Karen and Julie. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the decision to cast uh, Jennifer Beretta in the lead role? Yes. Um, I, I was looking for a top uh, pool player to play the lead role because, again, I wanted to uh, really make this film uh, unique and, uh, uh, and realistic from, from many uh, levels. And um, when I had the opportunity to uh, talk with Jennifer originally and uh, uh, and discuss the film, 
I got the sense that um, uh, she could uh, be very, very uh, good in this particular role because she, uh, her, her life in a, in, a, in a way parallels uh, the uh, main character's uh, life and uh, in, in the way that she is um, going after uh, becoming a champion herself. In addition to uh, Jennifer, uh, her experience as far as being a pool uh, uh, champion, she is. She also has uh, experience in acting, uh, which probably a lot of people don't know. And um, when we met, and uh, uh, I had her audition for the role, uh, she stepped into the character of Gail uh, very, very easily and uh, made the character really come to life in, in a very believable way. Really, I mean, from, from, the, uh, uh, from the first uh, uh, reading. And uh, I pretty much immediately knew that uh, I, I wanted to cast her uh, in, the, uh, in the lead role of Gail. And the other thing is that um, Jennifer has the look that I was uh, going for uh, as far as the uh, the lead role in Nine Ball. Uh, she, uh, as you know, of course, is is very attractive. She has very much of a uh, all American look um, that uh, I thought really matched up with what I was going after in regard to uh, uh, the look of Gail as well. Well, now, looking at your website, it looks like there's some information up there about a character that appears to be some sort of a rival for Jennifer Beretta's character. Who is that exactly? Yeah, that is uh, uh, an actress who whose name is Jennifer Lane Park, um, and she, unlike some of the uh, other uh, people that are going to be in the movie, it, she is not a... Uh, a professional pool player. She is a professional actress. And um, in the story, she plays uh, the reigning uh, women's nine ball champion. She's the one that ultimately uh, Jennifer's character uh, that she plays, Gail, will have to beat in order to uh, become the, uh, the new nine ball uh, women's uh, uh, champion. So, uh, as it says on the website, uh, which for those of uh, your listeners that aren't familiar is uh, www.mainstreetproductions.com and that's all spelled out. She, she, as it states, is really uh, Gail's uh, nightmare. I mean, she's <laughs> one that uh, uh, Gail has to uh, uh, overcome. And uh, uh, the Black Diamond uh, is is a champion that has a, a tremendous amount of uh, 
confidence and uh, ego, which uh, she uses very effectively uh, in in being being able to uh, maintain uh, her her role as a champion. So she's uh, she's a a pretty uh, tough opponent uh, to Gail uh, in the uh, in the story and. Um, uh, ultimately, uh, one of the huge uh, hurdles that uh, uh, Gail has to uh, overcome. Well, from the pictures on the website of the the rival character, it almost looked as if her look had been based on a particular WPBA player. Is is that the case? No. Okay. Um, on the website, I see there's a note where fans can reserve a copy of the movie for two dollars. I mean, can you explain that that system? Yeah, sure. Uh, that gives the fans the opportunity now, while the film is still in pre-production, to uh, order and buy the film at a, a deep discount of what it will sell for uh, once uh, the film is premiered. So. Uh, that's that's how that works. So now, is a fan going on and, and spending the two dollars? Are they reserving the right to purchase it when it comes out at a different price, or is that two dollars meaning that they're going to get the disc in the mail for that money? No, that means that they're actually going to be buying the the uh, film for the two dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, that's uh, that's what we really wanted to do. Is we wanted to give the fans and we get a, a, a tremendous amount of uh of pool fans uh, coming to our website uh weekly and monthly uh that are interested in the film and you know excited about seeing it and we felt that this would be an opportunity that we could give to uh the pool fans especially uh to be able to take advantage of this kind of a uh um uh, a uh, offer. Something that I've noticed on your website, Tony, is you seem to have a lot of support from the APA and other large companies in the billiards industry. Can you talk a little bit about that support? Uh, yes, I can, Mike. And I would say that uh, the APA has just been absolutely wonderful um, in supporting the film. Uh, last year, they actually invited us uh, to come out to their championship uh, event in Las Vegas. And uh, uh, we had Jennifer out there and uh, Kim White, who is the uh, president of the WPBA. Uh, they played a, um, uh, a race to uh, 10, and uh, it was a very exciting event. Uh, the APA had uh, given us a uh, penthouse room that accommodated probably about uh, uh, two to three hundred people, and uh, they've just been extremely supportive of the movie. Uh, and I would certainly want to uh, say say uh, thank you to the uh, to the APA for all of their help. Um, we had a fundraiser. Uh, back at the end of July uh, down in uh, Maryland and uh, uh, the APA uh, 
uh, league operators in Maryland were uh, very instrumental in making that uh, particular fundraiser a success. Uh, but in addition to the APA, yes, we have uh, uh, an excellent group of uh, wonderful uh, corporate sponsors, uh, including uh, Predator, uh, Aramith, um, companies even outside of the pool and billiard industry, such as uh, Amtrak. Uh, we have uh, Pool and Billiard Magazine and uh, uh, RST2 International um, as uh, some of our corporate sponsors, uh, as well as the uh, BCA and uh, the uh, WPBA. So uh, I, I would recommend to your uh, listeners that if they're not familiar with the movie Nine Ball, that they definitely take a look at the website, uh, which again is uh, MainStreetProductions.com. There's really a lot that they can see and learn about the movie uh, by going to the website. Definitely. I mean, the the script is even out there for people to read ahead of time to get an idea what the story is like. Uh, that's exactly correct. Uh, we have the script. Of course, for those who wanted to read the script, they would have to contact uh, our production office and get the uh, the correct uh, username and password. But, I mean, we certainly would provide that uh, to them. Um, also on the website uh, for uh, individuals that are interested in either investing in the film directly uh, or in uh, product placement, uh, we have uh, investor information that is on our website as well. Um, I would also mention to your listeners that uh, we are planning a special fundraiser for the film uh, it's actually going to be on October 20th and it's going to be at uh, Drexel Line Billiards which is in Drexel Hill Pennsylvania and um, Karen Kaur and Julie Kelly are going to uh, be at the uh, fundraiser event and they're going to be uh, shooting exhibition which will be uh, very, very exciting. So I, I would certainly welcome um, all the pool players uh, locally to uh, mark that uh, date on their calendar. Again, it's going to be October 20th. And uh, uh, for the details of what time the event is going to start uh, in the uh, early evening, uh, just uh, take a look at our website over the next uh, uh, week, and we'll certainly be posting that information. Well, that sounds exciting, Tony. Um, uh, it sounds like a very good time right now, movie-wise, for uh, billiards fans. Two movies being worked on, and, and we wish you all the luck. I do appreciate you taking time from your busy schedule to spend some time with our listeners today. Oh, you're welcome, Mike. It was a pleasure, and... Uh... I would want to say, you know, just uh, basically in closing to uh, uh, to your listeners that this is uh, really um, going to be the next great uh, pool movie that many people have been waiting for and really waiting uh, quite a long time. And uh, we want to make it an exciting story, which it is, and we want to have uh, uh, 
some great pool players in the movie, uh, which we've uh, already mentioned to a degree, and others that you'll uh, be finding out about uh, sometime in the near future. So uh, this is going to be a movie uh, that the uh, uh, pool players really uh, are going to appreciate, as well as the general public. Well, Tony, it all sounds great, and we'll bring you more news as soon as uh, Tony's got something else for us. Thanks a lot, Tony. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. Bye now. Wow, Jerry, I, that was that was a unique feeling. I, I felt like I'd just lost a set and turned around and my backer was gone. What happened? We have thunderstorms in Georgia, and <laughs> the phone lines in Georgia don't want to work on a sunny day, but they refuse to work when there's rain falling through the air. And uh, it just went dead. You know, I would uh, I would make a comment about us not having those problems in Arizona, but we have monsoons out here, so we have the same problems. <laughs> Definitely an interesting interview with Tony, though. Um, I, I hope the movie does well. Uh, it was interesting to me to find out that Jennifer actually does have experience acting. I was wondering if she was chosen just for her ability on the pool table. And to be honest, she's definitely a an attractive woman that will draw an audience. But if she's got acting experience, too, then this could be a very interesting movie. Well, it certainly gives it more credibility. Absolutely. Well, Tony says that we'll see something before the end of the year, and I hope that we do. That's all I've got for this week, Jerry. So I don't know if we're going to be here next week, but we will be back for one more show before the U.S. Open. That'll be great. Look forward to talking to you and to all the people in our audience then.